Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Free agency is always a busy and interesting time. The Browns took it to another level this week. Here to discuss Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, and Amari Cooper with me is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Chud, what's up? Man, my head's actually like a bobblehead bouncing around trying to keep <laughs> up whiplash with all this stuff. I mean, we could have done a podcast every day this week. And, you know, it, if you do it, it's going to be outdated by later in the day, you know. So I guess it's kind of cool we're doing this, taping it on a Friday morning because, I mean, we know the most that we could possibly know at this point, right? Because yeah. it's just been every day wondering how it was going to go. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. We were waiting for some resolution. And we have some resolution. We don't have total resolution, and we'll get into that. Um, obviously, it's a quarterback spot, but we do have resolution with Deshaun Watson. Um, we have updates on Baker Mayfield. But, yeah, you're right. It was – you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I know fans know because they've been following it too, but it's just really been um, an intense week because, you know, it starts on Saturday with news of the Amari Cooper trade. And then it just kept going and going. And then, you know, the Sean Watson pursuit took it to another level. In the meantime, there's other moves being made. There's salary cap cuts. Um, the roster's changing. Baker Mayfield weighs in. So, yeah, this, I mean, I probably say it every year, but this really felt, um, it felt like a different kind of free agency where I couldn't leave my phone. You know, like, I remember yeah. I, I walked to the kitchen or something and got distracted in the kitchen. And two minutes later, I'm like, oh, my God, I left my phone in, you know, in the other room <laughs> and freaked out, like, what I was missing. So, it, it's been yeah. a I mean, even with this nice weather, Patrick can't go golfing, you know. You can't uh, yeah, do, do anything. You got to stay right by your phone. You're, you're nonstop 24 hours. I mean, you got to keep – you never know what's going to happen here. I, I got to tell you, the other day I was thinking, it, it's just – on my way home, you know, I drive home in the morning. I'm, you know, I work in, I work that weird shift. Right. And the other morning I was driving home and I'm like, you know, it's incredible that the, the, uh, the Browns off season and free agency, it's almost more exciting than the actual season itself. I mean, it's like, they're, you know, following Twitter and keeping on, it's like, it's almost as if, there's more drama and more things to talk about than sometimes the season. And, and I kind of say that half jokingly, but, you know, I think if you took away tailgating and you took away the <laughs> off season and you just had the actual season itself, I don't know if there'd be as many Browns fans. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. It certainly has that feel to it. Um, and maybe there's, it's because there's a vacuum, right? There's no games to talk about or no games to prepare for. So there's just this void this football void and vacuum that needs to be filled and boys it filled. And it's not just the Browns, right? It's across the league. You get the Devonte Adams trade and, you know, the, the NFL is um, really an insane, an insane thing right now, right. With all the news coming out. Um, but you're not wrong. It, it feels like that. Uh, I think Twitter amps it up, right. Cause everybody's got an opinion and you see everybody's opinion and it just kind of feeds off itself. But yeah, you're not wrong, buddy. So before we get to Baker Mayfield, and that obviously is just huge right now with you know him requesting a trade and all that, let's kind of set it up so we can chronologically go through it. And 
before we get to Baker, what are your thoughts about the Browns actually going and trying to get Deshaun Watson? I mean, there's a lot of people that think it was dumb. There are some people that think, hey, if, if they think this guy can, you know, get them to where they want to go, you got to go for it, right? So my thought on this is I don't really necessarily have a problem with them going for it. Now, we could talk about his character and off-field issues and all of that and put that into the equation. But if you put that aside, and, and I'm not saying I want to root for Deshaun Watson, and I'm not saying I wanted him here, but I will give the Browns credit for going for a guy that they feel could change things, right, and get them to that next level. Here's the problem I have with it, though, and this is my NBA analogy. Even when LeBron James was here, the Cavs could not get free agents to come to Cleveland. These guys, these bigger name guys, and listen, Scott, you love Cleveland. I love Cleveland. I, listen, I've lived here almost my entire life. And when I didn't, it was because I was trying to get back here, right? Yeah. I love Cleveland. I will never knock it. But the bottom line is, I, it's hard for me to imagine them actually thinking that this guy would want to come here for multiple reasons. Yeah, that's interesting, John. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, I'll start at the end. I get what you're saying. I don't think that that should deter the Browns from trying to sign a guy like Deshaun Watson. I think you have to or forget, take Deshaun Watson out of the equation from signing an A-list and an A-list player. Right. I don't think the fact that it's Cleveland and you got to do his big sales job. I mean, that's, that's what they're charged with. They have to try to find the best players and yes, they've traded for some guys, right. They traded for Amari Cooper. So, Part of that is to avoid having to convince him in free agency. They traded for Odell. They traded for Jarvis Landry. So that's probably an easier way to go. You get him here and then convince him to stay, convince players to stay. And I get that. And I think that is a reality when you're competing with Las Vegas or Miami or wherever, L.A. Um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't chase these guys. And the Browns have signed plenty of free agents, you know, if you throw enough money at them, right? I mean – I know Jack Conklin is not the same as Deshaun Watson, um, but, you know, if you pay enough money, you can get guys to come. Um, so, but your point is taken, and they were probably a long shot to begin with, given Cleveland, given the AFC and how the AFC is shaping up. Um, you know, it sounds like Deshaun Watson wanted to stay in the South. It sounds, you know, I couldn't – I. Don't think I can blame him for not wanting to join a conference with, you know, Russell Wilson and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, right? That's their car and the Raiders now. I mean, that's a tough situation to walk into. Um, you know, Russell Wilson embraced it going to Denver. Um, but I understand if, you know, you want to take the path of less resistance. But so I, I get your point, And I do think the Browns are a long shot. Now, I think yeah, maybe we need to divide the going after Deshaun and the two, Deshaun Watson into two things, because from a football standpoint, I think the pursuit makes sense, right? He turns you into a Super Bowl contender. He's a top. Right. I think when he, you know, when he stopped playing and then all the uh, allegations came out at the end of 2020, he was a top five quarterback, right? The landscapes changed a little bit. Josh Allen's moved up. Um, you know, you can argue about where Joe Burrow fits now and um, Justin Herbert. And you yeah. haven't seen Deshaun Watson play in a year. So, you know, kind you of have to have a guy body. like this. You huh? have to have a guy like this in yeah. the NFL. Yeah, he's a top five, top eight quarterback. 
and we're talking about competing against the teams that I just mentioned, you, you want to be on equal footing and he would put you on equal footing. He's that type of a quarterback and giving up whatever the Browns would have had to give up. And we'll see what Atlanta or New Orleans winds up giving up for Deshaun Watson. Um, but if it's three first rounders and two players, um, you know, I, I think it's probably worth it because we've talked about it a million times. You need that quarterback to give you the best chance to compete for a Super Bowl year in and year out. So football wise, I completely understand it. I still would not have gone after Deshaun Watson. And I just tweeted out the column I wrote yesterday. Um, I, I can't get past all the accusations. And I know that the Browns, you know, investigated him. I know that they got to a place where they felt quote unquote comfortable um, with going after Deshaun Watson. I know that the grand jury declined to indict him last Friday, which opened up this, this kind of free for all or frenzy of, you know, it spurred the trade talks with Houston and made NFL teams, including the Browns, say, hey, we can go ahead and do this. I, I would not have done it. I think I got, I heard from a bunch of fans. Um, I've seen reactions from a bunch of fans. It, you just don't – I think it makes it hard to cheer for your team when there's a guy that you have such reservations about. And I don't think the organization should make it harder to cheer for your team. Now, if he had been there and won a bunch of games, the narrative shifts and, you know, right, maybe if maybe if all the civil suits, he's found not guilty of all of them, um, then this discussion changes. But where we stand now and having read and listened to everything I have about these allegations, um, I, I, I don't like I never liked the idea. I think it was a bad idea by the Browns. I get trying to chase the Super Bowl. I would not have tried to chase the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson. And I think you alienate part of your fan base, you turn off part of your fan base, and you traumatize part of your fan base. And from that perspective, I think it was a bad move. Well, so number one, love your point about them having to go after guys and they've signed other free agents and this and that. Totally Great point by you. But I will say, you know, you are coming off of the Odell Beckham Jr., which is uh, the so-called elite receiver that's in the limelight, that kind of, you know, that five-star, you know, whatever whatever you want to put next to him, right? Like the big-name guy that wanted out, you know? And, I, you know, Watson saw that. And, you know, you're also Deshaun Watson, and you're thinking, all right, I'm going to go up and play in the cold weather with a team that consistently loses – so, you know, there, I guess there's that thought of, you know, did you really think this guy would come now? You know, he has to waive his no trade clause, but you're right. Other guys have come. So I'll, I'll grant you that. And I also totally understand your point about traumatizing the fan base, but this fan base has been so traumatized that I got to tell you, if they win the first three or four or five games and they're five and oh, I think that all goes out the door. No one cares about what he's done in the past. Well, now no. we, sh- we should care. We should care, but right. the fan base wouldn't. Well, I think the overall fan base wouldn't. I'm talking about specific, like, there are sexual assault victims who root for the Browns. And I don't think their trauma is ever going away when they have that in their back of their minds, right? And I don't know how big that segment of the fan base is, um, but I think they should matter. And, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, that's what I'm talking Like, I just think this is a bigger issue than football. And I – and I get it. I get that the league in society, in society in general is filled with bad people. 
And sometimes you have to look past that because they work for your company or they play for your team. I get it. I, and I don't want to make comparisons with guys already on the team or guys already in the league, um, even though I might. But I just think there are circumstances that lines I would not cross. And would you Sean say, Watson though, that case, most as it stands now is one of those lines I would not cross. And I said I don't want to comparisons, make comparisons, but I'm going to make one. Tyreek Hill coming out of college, right, punched his pregnant girlfriend in the stomach. And I don't understand how people in Kansas City can root for him and feel okay about that. It still sits wrong with me. And maybe if I were a Chiefs fan, I could get past it. And maybe I feel like he's done enough since then. But there are just things that, <laughs> I guess, there's just things that I would never be comfortable with. And, that, and Deshaun well, Watson's situation is one of them. How can we root for Kareem Hunt? Well, right. I mean, that's I, I, right. That, I guess that's why I don't want to, because the comparisons are really difficult. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I guess, I mean, first of all, I don't root for the Browns because I cover them. I'm biased, but I get your argument. People, the Browns fans root for them. I guess you can argue, is it more isolated incident, right? One or two versus, or, you know, one hallway incident versus 24 accusations. Um you know, but again, it's it's such a tough game because yeah, I don't approve of that either. And when the Browns signed Kareem Hunt, I think I wrote a column saying they shouldn't sign Kareem Hunt. So, um, <laughs> right. right. So it, it's difficult, and I get it. I get that there's NFL realities. I, I completely understand that. I would not have bent my what rules, ethics, morals, whatever it is, my my t- organizational philosophy, culture. I would not have bent for Deshaun Watson. Well, how many NFL teams do you think? So right now you, you basically had four teams going for him and they're teams that need a quarterback. Right. Obviously teams that don't need a quarterback are not going to go for him. But don't you think that the majority of NFL teams in a position that need a quarterback would go for him like the Browns did? That's a great question. Here's here's what how I'll answer that. Is, prop, is yes, many would have, but the Steelers needed a quarterback and said they weren't going to go after him. And maybe that's, Maybe that seems completely hypocritical because they had Ben Roethlisberger on their team forever, and we know Ben's history, right? But the Steelers needed a quarterback and did not go after Deshaun Watson for that reason. And the Giants came out and said, we're not going to do it. And the Giants need a quarterback. They got Daniel Jones. So not every team who needs a quarterback would – not every team that needs a quarterback pursued Deshaun Watson. So the Browns made the conscious decision – to do that, and I have an issue with that. All right, well, how about this? If you're the Browns then, why not go after Deshaun Watson but make sure nobody finds out about it? Because I think they've done a pretty good job under this uh, regime of keeping things quiet. You, you haven't gotten as many leaks. Well, clearly in the last week or two, we're getting a lot of leaks, right? The, you know, adult in the room and all this different thing. Like, you're starting to get leaks now. Why not go after Watson and make sure no one finds out about it? So if you fail, then you're not dealing with what we're dealing with now. And obviously, they don't care because Baker's found out. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I have three answers to that. Number one is it was too big to keep quiet. You can't control his agent who was, it feels to me, the guy updating much of the media. Um, mm-hmm. 
and you know you can ask him to be quiet, but I don't think it was going to happen. Number two, good, good answer, good answer, and that's what we're here for—to educate people. And, and you just did. That's, no, it's yeah. true. I mean, yeah. that's how things happen, right? Yeah. Um, number two is you know, and you can see things be quiet, like Devonte Adams felt like it snuck up on everybody. So teams and agents can be quiet. It didn't feel like this situation was going to be kept quiet. I mean, we're getting, he's ruling out one team at a time. That's how the, you know, this is pretty public. Number two, I think from a public relations standpoint, the Browns needed it to be out there. So it wasn't a complete shock to the fan base, right? Let's say they had been able to keep it quiet. And today they announced they're trading for Deshaun Watson. That would have hit like a ton of bricks. And I think the backlash could have been even greater than you give fans time to process it, right? Fans had whatever, four or five days to kind of get used to the idea. So if they had traded for him, it wouldn't have been this holy cow moment, right? And I think that I'm sure that that plays a part in it. And the third thing is, and we'll get it, we should get into this, Judd, is, okay, how does this affect the Baker situation, right? And obviously it has a huge factor, a huge impact. Um, I don't think the Browns mind their pursuit of Deshaun Watson being out there because I think the bottom line is they've decided Baker's not the guy. And this is as clear a way as any to let their fan base know that they're ready to move on from Baker. And again, you kind of lead your fans to that instead of one day trading for quarterback X and you don't have Baker and everybody goes nuts. Feel like they've moved on from Baker a long time ago. Do you feel that? Kind of. Um, yeah. I, well, I think it's been heading in that direction, right? And there's been there's been signs, and you know, I mean, the first sign is that they didn't sign him to an extension a year ago, and we talked about this on this podcast. I thought they would have. I thought it was going to happen in June, July, August, September, October, right? At some point, they were going to sign Baker to a long-term extension. The fact that they didn't meant they had serious questions about Baker Mayfield as a future quarterback. And I don't think they were all performance-based. I think there's other factors of, hey, is this the guy we trust to be our long-term quarterback? And you could see signs of that, you know, the way he and Kevin Stefanski would talk about things and, you know, it, just, it didn't feel like a great situation a year ago. Um, you know, contradict each other sometimes in the way they talked. Baker criticizing play calling twice, which is never a good look. Um, you know, but then Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, Andrew Barry especially, comes out after the season and, hey, we fully expect Baker to be the start of 2022 and bounce back. He doubled down on that at the Combine on March 1st. So, there's a sense that, okay, maybe they will run it back in, because there aren't any other, better options. And to me, that, that was always how it was, is Baker's the default option for 2022 because the Browns aren't confident that they can improve the position, right? Russell Wilson goes to Denver, didn't want to come here. Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Derek Carr is going to stay in Vegas. Kirk Cousins is staying in Minnesota, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson was kind of the option. so. I felt like that 
the Browns had decided Baker wasn't the long-term answer, but might be forced to live with him for 2022. And whether or not it was strictly, hey, we're going to go after Deshaun Watson and let the chips fall as they may, or there had been an organizational shift to say, you know what, we're just done with Baker. So whatever we do with Deshaun Watson or anything else, the collateral damage with Baker is fine because we're going to go get another quarterback anyway. And I, I feel like that happened. And I don't know if it happened just be, to kind of allow them to go get Deshaun Watson or they were separate and it said, Hey, we're done with Baker. We're going to go do these things. Or, Hey, if, if this blows up and Baker has a terrible reaction and asks for ask for a trade, which he obviously did yesterday, that's fine. Cause we're done with them anyway. And we'll move on. If he's, if he wants to come back, we can live with him for 2022 if we don't have any better options. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people are, you know, getting down on the Browns and blaming them and saying they've made a mistake here because now they've ruined their relationship with Baker. But, I mean, my thought is, and, and you kind of just said this, it, the thought is, listen, they know what they're doing. Listen, this franchise has made mistake after mistake. But, you know, the, I don't know. The, this was purposely done. I mean, you know what you knew it was going to happen if it failed, right? So that tells me that they did not care, obviously, if Baker found out because we know and he knows and that they decided that they would find another way to go. I mean, that's I can't believe that they actually I have a hard time believing that they think that they can just turn around and say, all right, well, everything's fine now. I I feel like they had I guess you would call it a plan B or C. Does that make sense? It does, and I completely agree with you. Now, I would not completely rule out Baker is a guy in 2022, right? And the Browns, their first reaction yesterday to the trade request was, we're not going to accommodate you, right? We're not going to accommodate the trade request. Um, I I think that's what you have to say, because if you say you're going to trade him, then you lose whatever leverage you might have, and we could argue whether or not they have any leverage, Um and number two, I agree with you there, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, and the second part of it is, um, if you say, "Okay, we'll trade you," and then you get no good offers, or every quarterback option dries up, and you say, "Hey, no, we're going to keep you," you can't do that, right? You can't say we're going to trade you and then not trade you. So you can say we're not going to trade you and then trade you. That's fine, especially since they requested the trade. So I thought, you know, I think the Browns had nothing, no other option than to say we're not going to accommodate you um, or accommodate the trade request when I fully expect them to accommodate the trade request. So um, yeah, I I think you're, yeah, you're exactly right. Chud. They knew that this was potentially, if not guaranteed to be the fallout. And and I don't think they cared. And obviously there's a segment of the fans that hate that. And there's a segment of the fans that still believe in Baker and I get, like, I get the Baker love. I get that he wanted to come here. I get that he beat the Jets on a Thursday night. I get that he took you to the playoffs. I get all that. I don't think Baker's the long-term answer. I think the Browns have realized that. Maybe they've always realized that. Um, and they feel like it's time to move on. So while there's this narrative out there that the sky is falling, right? Same old Browns. I don't think it's quite that bad. Right. I don't obviously, you know, the pursuit of Deshaun Watson, I don't like the fact 
you know, if you look at it from the other angle of they tried to get him and then they failed, that doesn't make the organization look great either. Um, I get that there's, this feels like a soap opera, there's drama, Baker's on social media writing letters. I get all that. <laughs> but if, let's just say, if plan B or plan C, whatever the plan is, is you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, all of a sudden you have a quarterback that's pretty close to being the same caliber quarterback as Baker Mayfield, and you traded for Amari Cooper and you did X, Y, and Z. Like, I don't think organizationally or from a football perspective, they're in any worse shape, right? So I think this can be salvaged. I don't think it's a great look from a public relations standpoint, but like, I, I don't, to me, this doesn't rank like with Ray Farmer texting the sideline, right? Or Joe Banner <laughs> and Michael Lombardi fighting in the front office where they all, both have to be fired. Like, I, I don't feel like there's that kind of dysfunction. It feels almost to me like a little surface, like the dysfunction is I, kind of on the surface. Now that's yeah. assuming that's assuming that they're able to execute whatever the quarterback plan is. I agree with you. And I don't even know if I would call it dysfunction. I would call it like, if you know, you don't want to be with someone anymore. I mean, it's like a relationship, you know, you're going to break it off and you're going to go try to better your, you know, whatever you need to do in life, whether it's a job or, you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. I mean, you know, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, if you know, is it dysfunction to say, Hey, we were wrong about this guy and not even we, because they didn't draft him. If, right. I, so so I, I agree with you how it, it probably isn't dysfunction along those lines of all of the normal Browns things that, that typically happen with them. So, and, and it's amazing too. You, you did once think that he was the long-term answer, right? And now I you did. don't, is that accurate? Cause we, yeah, we've had yeah. this conversation so many it's so amazing, isn't it? How many guys have you covered in your career that are like this? We've had this conversation. This guy boggles my mind. I've gone back and forth on him so many times because I I didn't really like it when they drafted him. But then when I watched him in the preseason, I'm like, holy crap, this yeah. guy is the guy. I'm like, he's the guy. Then he's not the guy. It's unbelievable. Then against Kansas City, the first game this year, you're like, oh, man, he can be the guy. Then you see him in other games and you're he's not the guy. It's it's so perplexing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Shannon. We talked in last season, right? Everybody wanted to blame a shoulder. We've had this discussion. I didn't think it was a shoulder. I thought it was more Baker. I mean, I'm not taking the shoulder out of the equation, but I thought it was more than just a shoulder and why he played poorly. And and I had gotten to the point where I didn't think he was the answer, right? Um, but when you take a step back, it's only 14 months ago that just over 14 months ago that he went into Pittsburgh and yeah, he had a ton of help, right? The Steelers turned the ball over a million times, but he beat Pittsburgh on the road in the playoffs, right? He finished that year in the final 12 games, 20 touchdowns and two interceptions, right? I think it was after that Odell pick to start the Bengals game. So those are incredible numbers. It certainly looked like his trajectory was headed in the right direction under coach Kevin Stefanski. And so I, I, so I get that, I get that there's people out there that want to point to that and say, look what he can do. Look what he did last time. He was fully healthy. I don't think it's that simple, but I understand that perspective. And I guess my point is that it really is jarring to think that that was only 14 months ago and how things have changed 
for him and the Browns, right? And I think I must say, I think it needs to be included that it's not all on the field. You mentioned, you alluded to the Chris Mortensen, the Browns want an adult in the room. And that's a really telling statement. And it speaks <laughs> to immaturity, which we've seen from Baker that continues to last four years into his NFL career. I think it speaks to how he's viewed in the locker room, how he's viewed by his coaches. And that's, that might be as big a red flag as his inability to see open receivers and his tendency to hold on to the ball forever. See, there you go. You make a great point there is that these are some of the things we don't hear about, right? Is what other players say to management or the coaches. I mean, no matter how much we try to think we know, or even national writers think they know, no one knows your situation more than what they know inside those walls in Berea. And if you have all the, and we don't know this because this is only speculation, right? The only way you would know this is if, you know, you're tight with a player or you can really get in on the inside and, and someone tells you what's really going on in there. Right. If you have that ability, but those are things we don't know about. And if the players don't want to play for him and, and Barry and Stefanski know this and Dee Podesta, then it, it all makes sense, right? Yeah, and, and I don't think it's across the board. I, I know there's players loyal to Baker, right? But we saw it when the Odell stuff went down at midseason, right? That was public enough. You know, Miles Garrett and John Johnson III and several other guys saying, you know, we would welcome, we would welcome Odell back, even though Odell's dad had killed Baker on social media. Odell never apologized to Baker, right? There was, it was kind of a clear line. You're pro Odell or pro Baker. And there were plenty of high profile guys that want pro Odell. And I think that's a terrible sign toward your quarterback. Who's supposed to be the unquestioned leader in the locker room. So yes, a lot of this stuff is quiet and it's behind the scenes. And if you ask every player, you know, behind the microphone, they're going to support Baker. Um, but I think we saw, we saw evidence when the Odell situation happened, um, I thought you saw Jarvis Landry distance himself, himself from Baker um, as the season went along. And part of that, I think, was Odell. And part of it was Jarvis saying Baker's not good enough. You know, and this is me reading into the situation. But that's how I felt about it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a combination of behind the scenes and visible enough that you can put it all together. So how do you feel about Baker's responses? Uh, number one, on social media, when he first learned that they were pursuing him, it was almost as if that letter was him saying goodbye to Cleveland, right? right? That's the perception. How do you feel about that? And then how do you feel about his reaction now requesting a trade? Well, it, it cracks me up that the, you know, the goodbye letter, and I, you know, I'm saying that in air quotes, says there's no hidden meaning here. Well, you know. <laughs> There, 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 there was plenty of hidden meaning. He said, it, uh, it, sure is, "It sure as heck felt like a goodbye." Um, even if he puts, he can put as many caveats in it as he wants. Um, I, I find it interesting, and this is the world we're living in. How there's such polar opposite reactions, right? Some people thought that was a great message. I think I mean it might even Colin Cowherd, and we know his whole thing with Baker, so maybe it's stick. But I think I saw a clip where he loved the letter. <laughs> to me, to me, there's no need to do that. 
Like, if he really is trying to say goodbye to Cleveland, wait until it's goodbye. Right? That's what everybody else does. Nobody gives a preemptive goodbye. Right? That was Baker wanting to weigh in and say he sees that the Browns are in Houston visiting Deshaun Watson, and here's my reaction. Right? I'm going to try to win favor with the Curry favor with the public, whatever. And he just couldn't let it go. And frankly, that's who Baker is. He doesn't let stuff go. And we could argue about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, so I didn't love it. I mean, I think it was well-written and sentiment was fine. Um, As but, the writer, you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was good sentiment. Like, I think, he, you know, it was fine. But I, I don't think I want my – if I'm a fan or if I'm a quarterback, I don't think I want um, – I wouldn't want my quarterback out there like that at that time. Um, and maybe that's just me, but that's how I – would feel about that. And then the trade request, I mean, that was, I think that was just going to happen. You know, I think that was to be expected, almost inevitable. And I understand it. I like, I understand that. I understand Baker saying, Hey, it's clear. You guys don't want me. And it's not just the Deshaun Watson pursuit. It's that adult, like somebody in the Browns building told Chris Mortensen, we want an adult at that position. Now, All right. Right now, number one, they might not have wanted Chris Morton to say that on the air. Like, I think, I mean, we can, I don't think that's known. Like, I think somebody could have said it and thought that Chris would just keep that under his hat um, or use it kind of like to, to inform his commentary, not kind of quote a Browns person for saying that. So, you know, there's a little gray area there, but it's clear that somebody said that about Baker. And if you add that on top of the pursuit of, hey, we think we can get better, which that's just reality. I mean, Baker should know that Deshaun Watson's better. He should understand that pursuit, right? The Browns told his agents that they would consider, you know, if there's a big time upgrade that they would consider pursuing it. So, you know, like, I don't think the Browns did anything wrong. I don't think they wronged Baker by going after Deshaun Watson. Oh, no, um, I, 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 I want to stop you there, though. I don't okay. know. I don't know if he knows that that Watson is better. I mean, some of these guys, yeah. I mean, you know, you get you get these egos and you get, you know, Scott, he might he might think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that, no, that's a good point. Jen. And I I do struggle with because I've either written that or said it or thought it. Um, and I struggle with that. But he should know. Like the reality <laughs> is Deshaun Watson's better. Right. And. I don't think you could find anybody outside of Baker or Baker's camp that would argue with that. So yes, in his own head, maybe he says, this is garbage. I'm as good as this guy. They should not be chasing somebody else. So I'll give you that. But, you know, I mean, other teams are pursuing Deshaun Watson because they think they can upgrade the quarterback position. So regardless, I don't think the Browns wronged Baker by going after Deshaun Watson, but I could see how Baker would take that as a slight. And when you add the adult comment to it, they haven't offered you a contract extension in a year that they've had the opportunity to. But, like, the best-case scenario for Baker is that he's a lame duck, plays great, and the Browns franchise stays. Franchise tag him. Like, that's a terrible scenario for Baker, especially if he's decided he doesn't want to be here. So the trade request makes all the sense in the world, um, but I don't think he needed to write the letter. But he can't. I mean, like this can't get to a point where he could say, "Well, I'm not going to play." Or so. I mean, he he is under contract for one more year, making 18 million dollars. I mean, if he tries to pull, a, "I'm not going to play" or anything, that's only going to hurt himself, right? Yeah, I mean, right. 
I mean, that's a, that's a tough situation to get into, right? Like, he could stay away until mandatory minicamp and then show up. But, like, like that, I don't think that helps anybody. Um, but do the Browns want him if he's disgruntled? Like, and they don't really want him anyway. So I, I just don't see, like, where it makes sense, right? Like, yeah, he doesn't have leverage. And, you know, I don't think his trade value goes up or his – you know, if he comes in and pouts or says, I'm not going to play, like, that doesn't help him across the league. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, but I don't think that does the Browns any good either. Like, what good is it having him around when you don't really want him around and he's going to be not happy to be here, right? Like, right. this isn't David Njoku. Yeah, you know, this is much <laughs> bigger than that. He's your starting quarterback. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously there's a percentage and it's small that, they could mend this and he could come back and not come back. He didn't leave. He could stay and it feels like he left. Uh, He could stay, be the guy, play another year and see where it goes. I mean, we're not ruling that out, but we're probably kind of close to it. Right. So basically that leads to my next point. Where do you think it goes from here? I mean, it would make sense that the Browns get somebody else, regardless of how they get them. And then they trade Baker to like the Colts or Seahawks or a team like that. Correct. Doesn't that seem like the most logical answer? Yes, it does. It's you find the teams interested. Right. And I do believe there are some for all the reasons we talked about. Number former number one pick has had some good performances, led a team to the playoffs. Like, right. All those things you can hang your head on if you're another team. Right. Maybe we can resurrect this guy's career, all that. He's healthy. He's going to be healthy. Um, I, I think there would be teams interested. His contract is favorable. You get him for a year, um, see if he works out. So, yeah, Seahawks, Colts, maybe Panthers, New Orleans, if they don't get Deshaun Watson. Um, those are the teams that jump to my mind. You know, I would say outside chance Detroit. You know, John Dorsey, who drafted him, is part of that front office. They'd have, you know, maybe Jared Goff would have to be part of that trade, too. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. But, yeah, I think they find a team that's willing to trade for him, trade him, and then you go get your quarterback, who would be Jimmy Garoppolo, Jameis Winston, maybe Jordan Love out of Green Bay if he's available, Gardner Minshew, Marcus Mariota, right? Those are the veterans, and then you also have the draft. So, yeah, I I think there's options out there, and I think there's options out there for Baker. So I think this is doable. I do. Yeah, but you named some names there that didn't really excite me. And some of them, some of them, though, I, I could live with and be like, yeah, that that makes total sense. It's just such a bummer too, Scott, to, to know that you are in a position to get your guy and you see the Bills and the Chiefs and all these teams get a guy and we're just right back to where we were. We had the number one pick in that could have had all those different quarterbacks. And here we are. And it's just so frustrating for Browns fans. Yeah, there, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no getting around that, right? You thought he was the answer when you took him number one, right? The Browns had not taken a quarterback number one since Tim Couch, and they should have, right? I mean, they had opportunities to take a quarterback high, and they always kind of punted, and they went for it with Baker Mayfield, and for a while at least, it looked like he was the guy. So yeah, it, it's it is frustrating and disappointing and upsetting all those things for Browns fans to be back at what might feel like square one but I don't know if it's fair to say they're at square one the roster is in a different spot than it was 
obviously quarterback's a big deal. Um, but, you know, there's way to, ways to try to address quarterback, you know. Maybe one of the, maybe they like one of these guys in the draft, and they feel like Malik Willis three years from now gives them a chance to compete at that same level, right? Um, maybe they feel like Jimmy Garoppolo, and we've talked about this, Judd, from a purely football perspective. I'm not. I don't think he's an upgrade over Baker. I think when you include him in the locker room, um, the kind of character he has, maybe it's a wash. Maybe he is an upgrade over Baker, at least in the Browns' eyes. Um, and he can run the offense Kevin Stefanski wants to run, and he can give you a chance to compete in AFC North because the fact is he was in that division with Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, and they went to the playoffs, right? So it's not going to be culture shock for him to come in and have to compete against Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes in the AFC West, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo feels like, the perfect bridge guy. If you want him for a year and then you decide, okay, do we move, do we move forward with him or do you draft a guy and let him sit behind Garoppolo, just like the Niners did a year ago with Trey Lance. So I can wrap my head around a situation where the Browns are better off with Jimmy Garoppolo and have a legitimate chance to get back to the playoffs. So Yes, they still need they still need to find their long term. How are we going to compete with all these other quarterbacks? Answer, but from a short term perspective, I, I do feel like they're in a better spot than they have been in a long time. You know what's going to happen? What's that? Baker's going to go to the Colts and they're going to succeed. <laughs> it's just going to be like yeah. no, he's going to go to the Seahawks. I, I mean, yeah. Please tell me we're not going to be talking about that on a podcast one day. I mean that. You know, I don't want to root against the guy. I shouldn't say that. And gosh, he hasn't even left yet. But wouldn't that be typical? Dun dun dun. Yeah, that's certainly that. That's the Cleveland fan mentality, right? Is the guy's <laughs> going to go somewhere else and bite you in the butt? And it, it is possible, right? I mean, it's possible that that could happen. I wouldn't yeah. bet on that happening. Um, because of all the reasons we talked about with Baker's flaws and his issues, um, but mm-hmm. not out of the realm of possibility. Well, we talked about it on this podcast. I don't know how many podcasts ago it was, but you knew this guy was not going to stay off social media. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, there was no doubt. I mean, this, 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 you could see this coming. It, and you didn't know what it was going to be necessarily, but you knew there would be something that would draw him out, right? Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I don't, like, to me, this isn't like he went back on his word to post this. This, uh, You know, that's how he's going to do it. If he's going to do it, it's going to be on social media. Um, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen anything since, right? There was a one-sentence line to ESPN about, you know, things have gone too far, um, they can't be repaired, or whatever that quote was yesterday. Um, But I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of a study stream and he's been disciplined enough to stay off social media as much as he has. Mm-hmm. Man, we have talked almost 50 minutes about that situation. Uh, I'm ready to put it to bed unless you have anything else. Uh, I think we need to hit free agency here, though, before we uh, finish up. Right? I'm with you. That's the last thing. I didn't want to get out of here without at least addressing some of the other moves. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Amari Cooper. My take on this is you definitely have to get receivers. There's no doubt. And you got to get, like, 
bigger name receivers, guys that are capable of doing them. You can't rely on, on second tier guys. Amari Cooper is clearly an, an upgrade at the position. He's clearly, uh, you know, you could call him a number one receiver. But I will say, I caution you that he's not always going to make you happy. I mean, there are times, like, this is a guy that could score three touchdowns in a game and then disappear for three weeks. I mean, I just want to caution Browns fans on that. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Yeah, I think you're probably right. But, I, you know, I was listening to and reading some stuff out of Dallas. And I think that's more – I don't think that's necessarily Amari Cooper inconsistency. I think that's him fitting in with the offense. Like, he's not a guy to demand the ball. He's not a guy that's, that goes to the coaches and say, hey, I need 10 targets a game and I have to be the number one option, he just kind of gets his, gets his stats from the course of the game. And I think that's exactly what Kevin Stefanski is looking for. So that, I know that's frustrating from a fantasy perspective, but I, I think he is culturally what they're looking for, especially when we saw what happened with Odell. And we know this offense doesn't force feed the ball, you know, except maybe the – three yard out to Austin Hooper every game that seems to be a part of the, you know, a force of, it used to be a forced option. Um, <laughs> but so I, I think he's a fit and, you know, he's not Devonte Adams, you know, he's getting paid like a top, whatever, six receiver. And I don't know if he is a top six receiver, but he's the number one in this league and they needed that. And whoever's playing quarterback will benefit from Cooper being here. So I like the move. I like the fact that you only had to give up a fifth rounder and swap sixth round choices. I like the fact that they didn't let him go to free agency like we talked about early, Chud. This takes all the um, variables out of the equation, right? You don't have to worry about another team trading for him. You didn't have to worry about getting in a bidding war. And you didn't have to worry about Amari Cooper not wanting to play here. Now, I assume at some level the Browns talked to Cooper's people and said, hey, he's not going to – you know, pitch a fit if we trade for him, right? He's going to be okay coming here, but you don't have to worry about him choosing somewhere else. So I think Andrew Barry handled it well. I think he was the best option of all the options out there. When you see Christian Kirk get paid like 19, 18 or 19 million a year. Oh, ridiculous. Right? Cooper's yeah. worth two more, worth 20, especially compared to that. So I really like that move. They're not done at receiver, especially after letting Jarvis Landry go to save the, 15 million in cap and cash um, cap space in cash. They're going to need to me another veteran, a second tier ish guy, you know, maybe they trade for Robert Woods. I read that Robert Woods might be available now from the Rams because they signed Allen Robinson. You know, people love Robert Woods. He's coming off. An Ooh, that, that, that's someone to interrupt you. First yeah. of all, great points on Cooper. You've sold me. I, I love it. Um, well, well said. And secondly, Woods, you know, when he got hurt, the Rams were affected big time by that. And it wasn't until they got Odell that he kind of came in and, and fixed that problem because uh, Woods was, I mean, as great as Cooper Cup is, and we know he's one of the best receivers in the NFL, Woods was huge for that offense to uh, spread the ball around and enforce defenses to, you know, when you lose a guy like that, it changes the way defenses play you. And um, yeah, that would be a good move. Yeah, you know, you know, he's going to be caught. I mean, you have to give up something to get him, but, um, you know, they got all the assets that they didn't give away for Deshaun Watson. So 
Um, I would consider him, you know, a, a guy like T.Y. Hilton or Emmanuel Sanders, like maybe somebody in that vogue that's older, but I think still has some mileage, you know, or still has some tread on the tire. Um, I, I like that fit. And then you go draft a guy, whether or not it's 13 or whether it's 44 or whether it's in the third round, you draft somebody pretty high that you think can come in and make an impact as a rookie. And then, you know, I would say first couple of rounds because you want to develop that guy as your future, hopefully number one. Um, I, I think that's how you approach the receiver position still, but Cooper was the first necessary piece that needed to be added. You mentioned Jarvis Landry, not a surprise there, right? Is that, you know, how do you feel about that, that move? Yeah, I, I still think Jarvis can play. And I think Jarvis is going to go have an impact somewhere, whether it's, you know, it, there's rumors out there, reports about Atlanta. Um, you know, does he wind up in New England? Who knows, right? Who knows where he winds up? Um, but I think Jarvis is going to have an impact wherever he goes. Having said that, from a financial standpoint, he probably isn't worth $15 million from a salary cap standpoint. When there was a possibility you needed to trade for Deshaun Watson and add that money, um, you needed that flexibility. And I don't think Jarvis wanted to be here anymore. So I think you put all those in the pile and it's not a surprise that they moved on from him, but we should still recognize the impact he had in his four years here was really significant. And he was a big part of this turnaround. You just said the word surprise in I'm not there every day like you. I, I but when I saw the JC Treader news, I, that shocked me. I was surprised. I did, did. Was I supposed to see that coming? I mean, I were you yeah. surprised? Surpri well, I mean, I'm, I think I had mentioned it in some of the stuff I'd written. It, it had been out there that he was a potential cap casualty, but I didn't think they would cut him because I think. This, I think they saved $8 million by, by cutting him. Um, $8 million on the salary cap. I still think he was more valuable to keep. I, I, you know, we've seen his toughness, right? The only time he's missed any snaps is when he had COVID on Christmas. Um, he's played through a bunch of injuries and played well. Played at a high level. Is incredibly smart. Makes the line calls. Um you know, is part of that interior that probably I would the top interior in the league was Tyler Treader and Batonium. And you're taking the middle piece of that away to save salary cap space. So um, I knew it was a possibility. I did not think it was a necessity or a foregone conclusion. And mm -hmm. to me, that's that's the one move, right? Austin Hooper cutting him is fine. You know, you're pushing, you're kicking the salary cap down the road because they, they're going to um, take a $7.5 million hit next year because he had a bunch of dead cap, but they admitted that it was a bad contract. But my point is the Treader move was the one move that I thought they should not have made. I would have kept him. Now that yeah. Nick Harris can step in, they drafted him in the fifth round a couple of years ago with this in mind. And he played pretty well in his one started center against Green Bay. But there's a lot, there's a long way to go between playing well in one start to playing consistently at the level that J.C. Treader played, which was a Pro Bowl caliber level. Mm -hmm. And doing yeah. it week in and week out and holding up physically. Nick Harris is not the biggest guy in the world. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. Didn't like the move there. 
so you're, what you're saying is you're okay with not seeing the six yard Austin Hooper catch. And then he just falls down. Uh, you're, you're not going to miss that. I, I think I got enough of those banked in my memory that I don't need to see anymore. He's a player in this league, right? He's going to go somewhere and he's going to play a bunch of snaps and he's going to catch 40 passes, but he's not worth the four year. I think it was four year, $42 million contract, right? He just wasn't worth that. And I'm glad to see Andrew Barry and Paul Podesta recognize that, right? They could have been stubborn and said, no, we're going to bring him back and we're going to pay our tight ends a ton of money because they committed to pay David Njoku at least on the franchise tag for almost $11 million unless they agree to a long-term contract. Um, they could have been stubborn, but I like the fact that they admitted the mistake. Um, and Hooper, it, it was just a bad signing. It made sense at the time. His numbers were good in Atlanta. He's a pro bowler in Atlanta. Um, he's just not a difference maker. And if you're not a difference maker, you're not worth that kind of money. Uh, we could argue if David Njoku is a difference maker, but at least physically he has the potential to be a difference maker and Austin Hooper doesn't. All right. How about some of the guys they've um, brought in, just kind of put a bow tie on free agency and uh, anything that we, you know, didn't highlight already. Yeah. I mean, they brought back linebacker Anthony Walker Jr. in offensive tackle or offensive lineman Chris Hubbard on one-year contracts. I like both those guys. Both guys are good in the locker room. Both guys are good leaders. Both give you depth, a good you know, good depth in key positions. We saw not having when or Hubbard went down in week one last year with the tricep injury, and we saw how much they missed him because Jed Wills missed time. Jack Conklin missed time. And Blake Hance is a guard who wasn't ready to play tackle or wasn't able to play tackle at a high enough level. James Hudson III was a rookie who wasn't ready. So they needed a veteran swing tackle. They must trust that Hubbard's going to come back from that triceps injury. Um, so I'm good with that. And Walker, you know, they want Jacob Phillips and Jeremy, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa to be the two every down linebacker, right? But Phillips has been hurt both his years. So Walker gives them that depth, improving depth. He led the team in tackles a year ago that if Phillips is hurt again or he's not ready, or even if they want to work him in the rotation, Walker is the perfect guy to have in that spot. So I think it was a good move to bring him back. They signed Jakeem Grant. Um, he can play some receiver and he's had some decent numbers. You know, he's kind of the slot guy. He's like 5'7". But uh, his biggest impact will probably be his returner. He was a second-team all-pro returner, punt returner the last two years, was a Pro Bowl return specialist this year. Most of his career in Miami – got traded to Chicago last year. Um, we know how bad the, the return game has struggled to create anything big for the last several years. And Grant gives you that chance. So I like that signing. It's, you know, off the radar with everything else going on, a good signing. And then they traded Mac Wilson, who, you know, his, he had, his time had run its course here for Chase Winovich, who um, we probably remember Michigan, long hair, long blonde hair coming out of the helmet. Gives them a pass rusher. Didn't do much in New England last year, but had five and a half sacks each of his first two years. Browns are hoping to kind of rediscover or, you know, get that out of him. I think he'll be in the mix to be a rotational pass rusher. Browns still – or I should add, they added, they signed Taven Bryan, former first-round pick of the Jaguars. Didn't play a ton with the Jaguars. Never really became a starter. But he's a defensive tackle with some upside. 
is a former number one pick. So they still need they need a number two defensive end. They need one or two D tackles for sure. They need more receiving help, but they have a couple of bodies that they didn't have a week ago, and they need because they need talent and depth at all three of those spots. But we still need to see them add a, D, a number two defensive end, uh, at least one D tackle. We talked about the receivers. And now the only kind of lingering question mark there is, is Jadavion Clowney going to be that guy in? Um, I keep going back and forth. For a while, I thought they'd resign him. Then I thought he'd go somewhere else. Now I'm thinking they're still in the mix. You hear different things. So you have to see if Clowney comes back. And if he doesn't, then you got to go find somebody at end. Because, I, you know, you could wait until number 13 in the draft. But I, also, I almost feel like they need to do both, like a receiver. They need to tag team it with a quality free agent and a high draft pick. Well, you just said need, need, need. I think what <laughs> Browns fans need right now is some Advil or maybe a 12-pack. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I'm out of gas, man. Unless you got anything else, I, I don't I, – we, we got plenty of time to still talk draft and yeah. – uh, believe me, I'm sure we'll have more stuff pop up here to talk about uh, <laughs> pretty soon. Yeah, no, I'm good. I hit all the points I wanted to. Um, yeah, I'm glad we could fit this in, Chuck, because we needed to go over this all stuff. We needed to go over all this stuff. Oh, man, so much. I mean, but hang in there, Browns fans. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's like we say all the time, man, the NFL, it is 12 months a year <laughs> there's no doubt and we're gonna we're gonna have some more news right they're not done signing guys there's a case keenum decision due today whether or not they pay a million dollar roster bonus um like we've talked about i we're gonna ha- i i fully expect to quote andrew barry um or to borrow a phrase we're gonna have big quarterback news right i don't know if it's today tomorrow maybe it happens after deshaun watson makes his decision and matt ryan could become available out of atlanta um, again, I, I should I should have included him in the quarterback options. If Deshaun Watson goes to Atlanta, I like the idea of Matt Ryan. Um, he's another option. So um, we're going to have quarterback news. I would almost bet on it. It's just a matter of timing. So absolutely. So perfect. Thanks, Chud, for all the time. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast, and you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thank you.